0: Yo, yeah, alright, yeah, here yeah. we go, man Represent all Back right, again go, Get loose uh, Get loose uh, Yeah Here we go, man We're representing live from the super secret bunker UC Hold it down on this closed location Yeah Alright, everybody Yes, the podcast is back Back again <laughs> I know everybody thought Everybody was thinking what happened to guicho breach yeah everybody's been hitting me up on my instagram I'm not just joking no on my, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no we're back uh welcome to the show um life speaks we just had a little bit of uh um, some scheduling conflict uh going on and stuff and so we're able to, or to lock it down here for for today and so we just want to welcome everybody out. I'm your host Squeezo Breach, Luis Perez, aka if you know, you know, Demon Killer,
1: and this is my co-host Casey Case, aka Casey. shout out Casey, shout yep. out to Pastor Joseph. He gave me that nickname.
0: Yeah, representing Memphis Yeah. right? Where, where are you, you representing? Well, I'm from Tennessee. We, oh, your favorite Tennessee. Who's a representative. Tennessee, man, Tennessee. Yeah. And uh, and so uh, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors primarily. Um, go Daniel ahead, go ahead.
1: Martinez, eight, eight, uh, five ten architecture and design. Yep, yep. Holler yep. at our boy, Daniel Martinez, he's got your back like Cairo Pratt.
0: Whatever you need, you can reach out to him. His information is on the screen. Yes. Also want to give a shout out to the Choosing Hope Foundation. And um, just so you know, I mean, which everybody knows by now, the Choosing Hope Foundation is founded primarily, but not entirely in prison and parole ministry, but it has all kinds of different branches that we deal with and uh, uh, that it, it, it plays a part in, you know, uh, working with homeless, battered women, You know, parole ministry, helping people get situated and established outside, uh, on the outside. And, uh, you know, a lot of the testimonies that you hear, uh, you know, in this podcast are all, uh, um, you know, part of what we have seen uh, God do through the church, but also through the foundation, Um, choosing hope. And so, if you want to donate, so finally, everything is set up for you to donate and partner with us so if you go to our website life Life speaks Speaks, yes podcast.com you can uh, give online there is a section in there where you can give donate become a sponsor we can mention your name whatever uh you want and just partner with us and it helps out yeah and it helps uh move forward in what we do uh, helping people working with people and uh also want to give a shout out to what's our others do you have any other sponsors bro that's it uh, I think that's it. True to Life Productions. Yes. True to Life Productions. Uh, also want to give them a shout out. And uh, and those are our sponsors. And so we welcome you to the podcast today. Yes, uh, thank you we for have, tuning uh, in. Yes, thank you for tuning in. We have a great uh, privilege and uh, great, great show because we have my good friend, uh Toby Sosa here with us. Thank you for joining us. What up, man? (laughs) Hey, don't be shy, Toby. (laughs) (laughs) Speak louder. What's good, man. What's good. And so so Toby, uh uh just uh, he's a part of the church. He's uh one of the disciples here in the church. He's actually him and his wife are working on heading up our um what's it called? Our
2: Choosing Hope Addiction Program. Our Choosing
0: Hope Addiction Program. Yes. Our, man, there's a term for it, Substance Abuse substance Program. Abuse program. <clears throat> substance Abuse, <laughs> uh, dealing with drugs, alcohol, life management, uh, character yes. building, all those yes. things. Him and his wife are working on, on heading up that curriculum for us, for the foundation, and uh, doing great work for Jesus, not just uh, not just to the foundation, but also in the church. America. And so, him and his wife, man, just, just doing great things, believing yes. God and the real reason why they're here and he's here tonight is because of the powerful dynamic of his testimony and so that's what we're going to speak on tonight amen and um and so uh just as we kick this off Toby um just take us back um you know to your childhood and just kind of like set the premise of things transpiring as we lead forward into your life. So let's go back back in time. All right. Um,
2: sometimes, you know, I wish I could, like, say, you know, my life started differently. I know people have a lot of fond, you know, their fondest memories yep. when they were younger, things of that nature. And um, this is kind of hard for me to talk about because I've never really talked about it until I came into the <laughs> church, really. Mm-hmm. And um, with my whole life kind of holding it in but my earliest memory you know in my life was being molested by a family by a babysitter Mm -hmm. that I had I was probably about seven six or seven years old um I don't remember like how long it went on I just know that it happened you know did you have any like
1: do you have any feelings like towards that like as you was as that was happening
2: as it was happening I didn't I remember, like, I mean, confusion because, like, like, now, like, we would say, like, what part of the game is that? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you know, Like, what's going on here? So, I mean, I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what was going on. I just remember feeling a lot of confusion and just, like, going along with it. Yeah. You know, and, um, um. I really don't remember too much. I just remember it happening. That being like the earliest thing I can remember.
0: Where where was mom and dad at this point?
2: Uh, my dad raised us. My mom left me on uh, the front porch. Me and my brother. My brother was about a oh, year wow. and a half. I was six months old. She left literally left us on the front porch. So that's kind of different
0: than what we've the trend we've been seeing. So. You were raised by your father. Yes. Your mom abandoned you just uh, in the front porch of somewhere or a front porch of your dad's house? or My,
2: my dad's house. Um, okay. I mean, they were together and everything, and uh, I don't know much about their relationship because like, no. I was, like I said, six months old when she did that, but um, I've heard stories, heard rumors, whatever, but, I mean, to me, it doesn't matter. Like, my no. dad was there for me. He raised no, me. He okay. went through it with us. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Like... He didn't uh, he didn't like punk out like a okay. lot of these other Okay a lot of that's these cool. other dads, you know, that that's I've cool. been hearing about. That's you good know, to on hear, yeah. Podcasts. Yeah, that's encouraging. It was kinda of the opposite with me. My mom chose drugs over us, you know, um that whole lifestyle or whatever. Yeah. And Do you the, have connection with your mom now? Uh she passed away in okay. mm. uh after I got out of prison. Okay. Sorry to hear that, man. Yes. And, um, but I mean we did kind of reconcile our did had, we still? did have a we had a, a good relationship when she passed away, but my dad passed away in O oh, wow. two, oh three, something like that. Were you
1: saved when she passed away?
2: Me? Yeah. No. Uh-huh. No. She was. She well, I mean, she was a Jehovah Witness, but I mean, I do remember her living that life, you know, when she passed away. And your away. dad
0: passed away of elder being elder or just um natural causes.
2: He was diabetic. And uh, you know he drank a lot. He was a heavy drinker. Got put eventually. Got put on um, dialysis because of it. And I mean, it was just that. How old were you at that time when he passed? Twenty one. Okay. Twenty one years old.
0: Was that difficult? I mean, dealing with your dad's loss.
2: I tried to kill myself, and um, actually got pulled over. I was going to just go down this dirt road, and um, not too many people know this. Got pulled over on the way up there, and I had the 357 in the in the passenger seat. And the uh, got pulled over on the way up there. I didn't even bother to move it or nothing like that. And I mean, the cop got to talking about it and, you know, my circumstance, because I was crying. I was crying. Like, I didn't know how to deal with that. My whole world fell, fell apart. Mm-hmm. And I told him, you know, my intentions were to kill myself with it. And, you know, he didn't do nothing more than take it. And we actually talked for, you know, he would call me next couple of weeks, things like that, but I mean, it just kind of came away, and I still went to prison right after that. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Dang,
1: that was a blessing in the sky.
0: And was. so so in your childhood, in the midst of your childhood, you remember your dad's raising you, he's trying his best. There is this this situation where you're being uh, molested.
2: Yes, I, I, like I said, I mean, I, I remember it happening. I don't really remember too much about it. I mean, I know who it was, everything, you know, but for his sake I won't, you know, mention any names or whatever. Mm-hmm um and then but i don't know what the circumstances were surrounding why he quit babysitting me mm-hmm. but um i had family at the other end of the street that on the same street we lived on and um i remember my cousin she was a couple years older than me but it had to be been near the summertime because we weren't in school but then she started babysitting us me and my brother and i remember her molesting me you know what oh, i'm wow. saying and i the same age had to have been about the same age and um i mean those are pretty much my youngest memories you know did that saying?
0: did that mess with your your mental and emotional dynamic of of like being a boy being a, a man i've spoken to victims of of sexual assault um uh, especially men that were molested by other men and uh and one of the things that i've been told consistently from these men was that one of the struggles that they had was that as they're growing up little going through this stuff they couldn't real they couldn't wrap their heads around whether am i guy or girl i mean am i gay am i um what am i like uh, i don't know what i am you know because i'm a boy but this is happening to me from a boy you know you know I mean and it just messes up with their psyche. And I mean I'm talking about some very vexing things that I've heard from men that've been through stuff like this where it's like it was like it's like so like difficult to sort that out in their head because of the assault. Did you go through things similar to that?
2: I don't I don't remember being okay. like questioning my sexuality. I've always been attracted to women. I okay. mean I had a daughter when I was my first child when I was I got my um the mother of my first child impregnated when i was 14 years old okay. and i mean i've never i've always been attracted to women okay but i don't know if i was like i mean looking back like to prove something yeah. you know what i'm saying that i did sure. like what was happening sure. to me or you know at what uh,
0: point does the uh does the the getting into gangs and things of that sort come in
2: uh probably around couple years after that, like I said, I was about six, seven years old when this stuff was happening, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And I don't really remember too much after that, just something regular childhood. um, Got into playing, like, sports, neighborhood sports or whatever, uh, like tackle football, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. My dad being at every practice, Mm -hmm. drinking on weekends, things like that, going to work Monday through Friday, raising us. Then I guess about the age of 10 or 11, he met his I guess my stepmom, his wife, or whatever. And um, um, we moved in with them, moved to a different part of town. And we were actually going to a pretty decent school, like a uh, middle school or whatever, after elementary, um, sixth grade. We were going to a pretty decent school. But then when he got with her, with his wife, we moved in with them. And it was kind of like on the ghetto part of town. Mm-hmm. And we ended up going to like a ghetto, transferring to a ghetto school. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, all my influences, all my... Peers, all my friends, everything changed, and I didn't know what weed was until I got to you know this other school. I mean, I've heard of it, but what I've never seen it. Uh, sixth grade,
0: so that's middle so school, was middle about, school. Oh, so was
1: probably about like twelve or something.
2: Yeah. No, I was like, what's middle school like? 10, 11. 10, 11
0: right. like that. Man, that's crazy to think about that because, I mean my my middle son is ten. Yeah, I mean, and you know they've been raised in the church and they have no clue.
2: I mean, I started smoking cigarettes when I was nine. Wow. Like, my best friend Ricky, before my dad got my stepmom.
1: You was inhaling
2: like them. I don't remember. I remember at first, like, just holding them in my mouth, oh. and then, you know, Ugh. and then somebody said, my brother was like, no, nah, you got to inhale him. And I was like, how do you do that? And he started, I see him blowing it out of his nose. <clears throat> so I will start swallowing the smoke, not inhaling, but swallowing it, you know, yeah. and it would come out of my nose. So I thought I was doing it right. Uh. And he was like, "No, you gotta like, yeah." Like, oh. They were little Virginia, Virginia Slims, uh, yeah. you know, them <laughs> little bitty. Yeah. My best friend used to steal them from his mom, and we go across the street <laughs> behind a tree and go smoke them. like that freaking mm. long. And uh, when my dad got with my stepmom, we moved in with them, and she was living in some Section Eight apartments or whatever—some get real rundown apartments. And we are all the kids used to run through there, you know, every night, every weekend, playing and stuff. And I remember seeing this guy. He was at the bottom of the stairs, and he was smoking something, and I wanted a cigarette. You know, I was probably about almost 11, like the summer before 11, you know. And I was like, hey, let me hit that. He was like, nah, youngster, (laughs) you don't know about this. And I was like, what is it? He looked like a cigar to me. It was like, it's some tobacco with some weed in it. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, let me hit it anyway. So, he was like, all right. I hit it, and I was like, ah, like dying. And uh, (laughs) that was my first experience. He was like, you're wasting it. (laughs) man. that was, like, my first experience. And then, you know, after that, I mean, you know, the more and more my, like, he opened my eyes to it, so I knew what it smelled like. So, you know, I would hit it when I would, people, when I would smell it or whatever, like, man, let me hit that, let me hit that, you know. And, um. I was about, you know, 10 years old, and then uh, we were at that same school, I was in, I was 11 years old at this point, but um, I remember meeting this girl named April, that was like my first major girlfriend, and I didn't know nothing about her, she transferred from another school or something, but. She had a reputation at her other school as being promiscuous. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at the age of 11, she got me. She talked me into start, like, running away from home, like, Mm. legit Mm. running away. Like, I'd be gone Mm. for, like, two, three, four, five weeks, like, a month, month and a half. Like, be just gone, living on the streets, like, wherever we could find a place to stay or whatever. And I lost my virginity at the age of 11. Wow. At the same time in my life, like, I was in and out of juvenile. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like for skipping school, for stealing, for... Drugs? Just, nah, never been arrested for drugs. Never been... I don't, My my record is clean of drugs. It's more like violent. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and we were together probably for about like six months. And then finally I got tired of going to juvenile because of her. So, yeah. I mean, one time we were both in juvenile together. And I was being released. And I could see her in the... We called it the pit, like in the day room where, you know, all the good uh, inmates could hang out or whatever. And she was like, tell mm-hmm. me, write me, write me. I was like, man, screw you. <laughs> man, screw you. So that's the last time I talked to her. How does and, the, gang, um, bang f-
0: uh, the ganging, gang member stuff factor in through that? Is it through the juvenile thing? Or well, I
2: met, I met people. That's where I started, like, you know, networking. Started meeting, like, this person, that person, because... Like, tagging is big in Austin, you know, like spray painting, whatever. So, I was like, oh, like, you introduce yourself, you know, you don't, hey, I'm Toby, hey, I'm Casey, you know, like. Yeah. Hey, I'm twin, I'm, yeah. you know, you know, you know what I'm saying? They used to call me twin or amic, actually, back then. Yeah. And, oh, bro, I seen you hit up. And so, you know, you kind of get to networking like that. And, um, but, uh, I started getting bad. This was sixth grade. I went to seventh grade, failed seventh grade. And, um. Like, my second week in – my second year of second grade, I dropped out of school completely. Mm. Like, you know, the running the running away started, you know, happening. I wouldn't stay at home. Like, you know, I go – the police would send me home that same night, and I'm gone that same night. I go to juvenile, get out of juvenile a couple of weeks later, and I'm gone that same night. Like, oh, wow. I was just wherever. And um, I have a cousin that's 16 days older than me, and, you know, so we were pretty tight. Like, that's my bro – Or whatever. Like, every time I went to juvenile, he was in juvenile right with me. When he went to, you know, we were just, we were crime partners or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, so his parents were more, like, laxed with him. Mm -hmm. Like, my dad was always like, where you at? You better be home at a certain time. Or I'm going to whoop your butt. Or you're sleeping outside. 10 o'clock, the door's locked. Like, Mm -hmm. if we're not 10.01, like, we're sleeping outside. But, Mm -hmm. you know, he can pretty much come and go. So I started hanging around more and more with him at my tia's house and stuff to the point where, one summer i just kind of like moved i just you know moved into the moved in with them and she was cool with it mm. or i mean at least she never told me nothing mm. and uh my my cousin his older sister my other cousin she was hanging around with some people next door but you know she's like 10 12 years older than me or so older than people and they were over there smoking or whatever you know what i'm saying so that's how i started that's how i met these people And um, I didn't know, like, you know, too much about gang-banging, per se, at that point. I mean, I was rowdy. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'll fight. Like, you know, I was doing my thing. Nessio, I guess they call it, you know. Yeah. Travieso. Travieso. Like, manos. My grandma used to say, manos de fierro, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? But um, I started hanging around with them, and they live right on the other end of the block from, you know, where my aunt was staying at, where I was staying at. So, you know, we got kicking it every day and the, I was 13 14 years old these people were like 24 27 mm-hmm. years old like twice my age you know oh, what I'm wow. saying but I started smoking with them and then eventually I quit going everywhere and just started kicking with it kicking it with them and um like the leader of the little clique she's a a dyke chick mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying she She's a lesbian or whatever. Not surprising being in Austin, right? <laughs>
0: you know what I'm saying. Keeping it weird. <laughs> keeping it weird. Uh,
2: but uh, she told me one day she was like, "Hey, like, there, um, we're cripping. You know what I'm saying? And she told me like, "Hey, cuz, you gonna have to get down, and move around." I was like, "What?" Was so what's those up? people you
0: were hanging out with were all crips. Mm-hmm. You didn't know that, and then she told mm-hmm. you. Or I you mean, I, of, I, okay. I,
2: I knew like after a couple of days I knew because they were all wearing blue. What was their crip set? Do you know? MTC.
0: Okay, but, I mean, was it affiliated with one of the Los Angeles Crip sets? I know they did IGC. The, oh, okay.
2: Insane Gangsta Crip. Okay, okay. But the little no- local neighborhood gang was yep. MTC. Okay, okay. Mm. Of, the neighborhood is called Montopolis, yeah. but we call it M-Town for short. Yeah. So MTC, M-Town Crip. Okay. Or the street that we lived on was Marigold Terrace. So okay. either M-Town Crip or Marigold Terrace Crip. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're known in our neighborhood. You don't come mm. down Marigold. Yeah. yeah.
1: Do you have okay. number? What do you mean? Did y'all have numbers? Was there a lot of y'all?
2: In my neighborhood, there was about 12 to 15 of us. So, I mean, we were considerably small being that the rest of the neighborhood, and I mean literally the rest of the neighborhood, every single block in my neighborhood was blood. There Mm. were two spots in my neighborhood that was Crips, and that was MTC. Then there was a real small uh, mobile home park or whatever, and – <coughs> it's called Comfort Park, so they were CPC Comfort Park Crip. Or, no, you know what? There was a little small street, probably about like from here to Murphy back there called Santo Street, but they were affiliated with the Comfort Park. But it was Comfort Park Crips and MTC, which was us. So, all together, there was probably about like 30 of us in the mm-hmm. neighborhood. But you're talking about hunt like literally hundreds of bloods so everywhere you go. is oh, just
0: man. what sets were they? Were they do you remember?
2: Um. In Austin, I, I mean, I don't know who they ran, but I know the, the neighborhood um set was a 4 1 blick, like click, but with a B, yeah, yeah, 4, yeah, one, yeah, four yeah. 1 blick. <laughs> and um, blicky, man. <laughs> and I mean, we used to we used to go hard with these dudes, man. Yeah. Like, I'm talking about you know, they were older than me, I was like the baby uh-huh. in the neighborhood, yeah. bro. Like, out of everybody, I'm 13 14 years old getting it with grown men, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, I don't oh. eat. My mentality growing up was it's either two things going to happen. You know what I'm saying? You're going to whoop me or I'm going to whoop you. But I like those chances because yeah. it is what it is. If I got a gun, I'm shooting you. If I got a baseball bat, I'm going to knock you upside the head. If mm-hmm. I got my hands, I'm throwing my hands. Like, yeah. It's whatever, you know. And um, Did they get
1: you young to, like, you know, use you as, like, a crash dummy or anything, send you out on crazy missions or anything like that?
2: No, nah, because nobody really, oh, was she even just though like, she was – our leader, per se, like, I was just that that firecracker. Mm-hmm. Like, we could be driving down the street, and I see somebody in red. Like, I'm jumping out the car, like, mm-hmm. what's up, cuz? What it was, mm-hmm. you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. And I'm bam, bam, bam. Nobody ever told me, like, hey, bro, go put in, yeah, go hey, cuz, go put in some work. Like, they would no, tell I mean, me the opposite. Like, hey, bro, chill like, out, chill out with them guns. <laughs> because <laughs> there was one point when they she approached me and was like, hey, you want to start selling some? weed for me like i'll give you 20 bucks off each hundred you give me so i was like yeah so you know she showed me how to bag it up how to weigh it up and she started giving people my number or whatever Mm -hmm. you know so they would hit me up like hey you got a dime you got an ounce you got this you got that and i was like yeah so i serve them whatever you know give her you know thousand dollars a day five hundred dollars a day whatever it was she'll give me my, my cut out of it you know what i'm saying and um, Dang, that's
0: cool. We missed this part where you were saying that back, backtrack a little bit where you were like, She was, Hey man, you're hanging out, you got to get down with us. Like, what happened at that point? Like, did they roll you in or something? Or? Oh, yeah.
2: Uh, was my How many boy. Of was there? It was uh, two of them, it was my my homegirl Pam and my homeboy Sean. And like I said, these they're twice as old as me, you yep. know what I'm saying? So, anyway, they're like, Hey, cuz you gonna have to get down, move around, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, Well, what's up? Are y'all trying mm. to do this at? Do y'all want right here. Or? to the backyard. Yeah, your homegirl. You said yeah. your home girl,
1: right? Yeah, homegirl, right? Homegirl Pam. My home she girl has man. <laughs> bro,
2: that's probably the only. Up until you know, I went to prison. That was probably one of the only people that I feared in my life, bro. Oh wow! Because I mean, she looks. She looks just as every bit manly as any of us sitting on the stage. Oh, you know what wow. I'm saying? Like cornrows in her hair. Like you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. she'll get out there, bro, uh, dudes. And uh, so, anyways. uh. They were like well let's go to the backyard let's go to the backyard because that's where we jump people in at like well after i got down that's you know that was like my tia's house became the spot mm-hmm. i was like what we call now like a trap house or whatever yeah. you know what i'm saying but it was a spot as soon as i got up to walk to the back because they were like man this they would be telling me like man this dude's cocky this dude's cocky you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying but i know what i bring to the table yeah. i know I, I even at that age like i don't care like i know i got yeah. hands yeah you know, so anyways, I'm getting up and I'm walking to the back, and my homeboy Sean just stole me the back oh of the head, really boom. Yeah. And I remember falling down. He didn't, he didn't like the side of my head, and my neck on one of the concrete posts to hold up the house, or the, you know what I'm saying, yeah. the, yeah. the, porch or the whatever. pillars, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, I just felt like uh foot like on my side of my face, and so Dude. anyways, they wouldn't let me up. Ooh. They wouldn't let me up. How long just did they roll you for? Like think about like thirty, forty seconds, Dude, something like that. I remember it felt like, like a lifetime like a lifetime but uh yeah that that happened and that and was it me. you was in I was in, <laughs> in like, how'd you feel
1: about that did you feel like all right you know I belong somewhere now yeah it I did have like that, that sense of
2: belonging bro like I felt like you know I felt what I was looking what you I was looking accepted. for all the times running the streets trying to not just get away from what was happening at home but be find that sense of love that okay. that companionship that camaraderie you know what yeah. I'm saying like sense of belonging like man i found it i mean that's what everybody's looking
0: i mean i think i think if you ask a lot of a lot of i mean a lot of stuff that we went through you went through casey i mean everybody even you know the wives and it's like everybody's looking to belong to you know what i'm saying like everybody wants to belong like we just want to be accepted it's it's so crazy because it's so true we know about it we preach about it and it's like one of the foundational factors of people's lives is like Everyone wants to belong to something. Like, mm-hmm. like to not belong, it's kind of like it's like something Somebody right. Like me. <laughs> yeah, I you mean, know? I
2: talk about that. You know, I've only street I, preached a couple times, but I mean, that's something that I'm out there screaming on the street yeah. corners. Like everything, I have found everything that I was looking for in them streets for 37 years yeah. in this church. And, God. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I've amazing. seen, I've seen. You know the lowest parts of Of the penal system Of yeah. the streets Like I said I was 11 years old I Used to run away dude Like yeah. Just why they had to be at home i sleep under overpasses Abandoned houses In the back of people's cars Like You know what I'm saying People yeah. wouldn't let me sleep at their house Okay I'll sleep in your backyard I'll sleep on yeah. your backyard bro Like so, something
0: And so now here you are You're cripping, You're straight up G'd up like, Cripped up look, cool. uh, <laughs> A roll <laughs> Man, like, but um, where w- were you still in school, or did you already dropped out? No, there? I dropped out. Okay, like, that what, summer,
2: what grade was that? My sec, I failed seventh grade, repeated seventh grade, and then like about two weeks later, so I got kicked dropped out of though. middle school. I dropped out of seventh, my second year in seventh grade. Jesus, like that's dropped wow, out, bro. Dropped out. I, mean, I was in school,
0: like just went straight. Gang bang, gangster selling drugs, selling dope. Um, Straight they told street. me,
2: like I said, my 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 house where I was staying at my tia's house became the spot. Mm-hmm. So we'd kick it there in the morning. They come roll blunts, you know, we smoke blunts at oh. the house or whatever. And they were like, "Hey, look out, little youngster. I mean, you can't just be sitting around here doing nothing with your life, bro." And uh so she was like, "You want to start selling? Start selling some weed?" And I was like, "Yeah, I mean, cool." She said, "I'll give you twenty bucks out of each hundred. You give me back." So you mm-hmm. know, I started doing that for a minute and then it moved up to like coke you know what i'm saying like yeah i mean i was never selling nothing like real big i think where they did use me as a crash dummy though they kept all the dope at my house but then after i figured out how to start weighing it and bagging it up stuff like that you know i i wouldn't ask people somebody would come over for like a grandma weigh i would give it to them you know some white whatever some soft and um but i think that's where they were using me at because they were grown so i mean they go to TDC, they get years. If I get caught yeah. with some drugs as juvenile, I'm going away, you know, Just get slap yeah, me yeah, two, three months probation oh, yeah. or something yeah. like that, you know? Yeah. And, like, people would come to my house and they would want to, you know, like anybody else, like, hey, you want to trade this gun? You want to trade this? This? You want to trade that? People. And my thing was I would trade guns for anything, but I wouldn't give no more than a gram for it. I didn't yeah. care what it was. Like, no. you know, was cocaine or whatever, a gram of some coke. And, uh. But my thing was, like, they come, like, they'll have a handgun at thirty eight, forty five. I tell them, yeah, I'll give you a grand for it, you know, whatever, whatever. But how do I know if it works? Oh, we can go over here. I was like, nah, let's go to the backyard. Because if it don't work, I'm going to beat the crap out of you with this gun. They're trying to sell me something. Trying mm, to you know swindle me, trying to
0: finesse me. Mm.
2: So, as I said, like, every street on my block was bloods. Mm. So, to me, a lucky day would be somebody come bring me a pistol or whatever, you know what I'm saying, and um, I'd be able to go to the backyard, and i will see one of them. Dudes walking by on the next block, and I mean I wouldn't aim at Adam, it was just kind of to scare him, but I would fire off on him. Ba, ba, ba,
0: ba, ba,
3: Man. You
2: know what I'm saying?
0: Damn. Some real Crips though. You know, yeah. <laughs> and uh, just to see him stuff. just to
2: see him duck and run. You know like that, you know, that yeah. empowered me, bro. <laughs> and uh one time this guy came by. And, I mean, I've messed with him before, but he came by with a rifle. This was the first time I actually held a rifle. It was a 30 I6 with a scope. Mm. And I'll get into this in a minute. The guy that ended up shooting, when I got my first, like, major case or whatever, I had him, I put that thirty I 6 on the top of his, uh, he had an eighty one cut Supreme. Put it on the top of it. And it was just like, like, from me to Casey right here, I had him in my sights, like, right there. But he was about from here to probably, like, CVS, yeah. whatever it is right there. He was walking by. He didn't even know. But, I mean, it scared me. I told him, nah, bro, I can't do nothing before that. His
0: head would have gone like this.
2: <laughs> mm. Poof. And I was like, "That's too much power." I was fourteen years old, bro. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. telling him, "Like, man, nah, that's too much powerful." Yeah. Come on, Toby, just give me a gram. I was yeah. like, "Nah, bro, I can't do it. Yeah, can't do it. Sorry." I like so, handguns.
0: So that led to incarceration. I mean,
2: yeah, because um, I did end up buying a, a little twenty-two semi-automatic a rifle mm-hmm. or whatever. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And that was like my baby. Mm-hmm. That's my baby. Yeah, it's but a good. I ended up I ended up sawing the, the handle off, yeah. you know what I'm mean? saying, making yeah. it like a pistol grip and sawing off the barrel so I could hold it in my jacket at all times. And uh anyways, one day it was the day after Thanksgiving, 96, November 28th. I remember walking to the little store, the little bodega in my neighborhood. It's called Tom Grow. And uh, you know, it's just like little store, whatever. Went up there, bought some cigarettes, me and my homeboy uh rolling. And, uh, cause he was 18, I was 14, you know what I'm saying? So anyways, he was buying them on the way back. We crossed paths with this blood dude and, you know, we were getting into it or whatever. And, you know, just having words right there. And, uh, when I remember stepping out into the street, like we were going to jump him. It was understood. We were going to jump him. He took off running. Mm. Anyhow, um, so he took off, you know, we laughed about it, whatever, you know, talk crap about him, whatever. We went back to the house and. At my tia's house, we couldn't smoke inside because I had a disabled cousin with breathing problems, so we had to smoke outside. Anyways, about an hour later, I came outside, and I was smoking. I you know, lit up a cigarette or whatever, walked to the street to look around, and I hear somebody say, oh, look at that crab. da 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 You know what I'm saying? And I looked down the street, and there's like six dudes. And uh, one of them was the dude, you know, we were just about to jump right now. His name was yeah. Rob. And uh, another one of them was a dude named Robert, the same one that I had in the scope, mm-hmm. at 30-06. Yeah. And so, you know, it was six of them, one of me. So, of course, you know, they wanted, they wanted to try to jump me back or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, me being the person that I am, you're going to have to show me. Because the way I see it, like, I don't care who it is. If it's 10-on-1, 20-on-1, on I still feel like I got like I still got the upper hand. I don't yeah. know why I just have that mentality. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know,
0: like like Tupac said, you know, you put that gun on me, you better kill me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying?
2: <laughs> but um, so anyway, the you know we start bumping back and forth, talking trash back and forth, um, disrespecting each other. Sets as they're walking down the street. And my homeboy, I guess, he heard he was inside, and he was like, hey, what's up, cuz? I said, all oh, these dudes trying to jump me, you know what I'm saying? And then I said, get that get that uh thing for me, because we kept it, like, right inside, right above the little uh, china cabinet or whatever. So when they were, like, trying to circle around me, my homeboy brought it out to me, and he went inside, because we didn't have cell phones back then. We just had landlines, so mm-hmm. he went inside to go um call my, my homies or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I just put it down, you know, I didn't, mm-hmm. you know, uh, anyways, I set the, I set the little rifle mm-hmm. down. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, "What's up? We can go toe to toe. I go toe to toe with any of y'all dudes. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I throw one on one with any of y'all cats. But uh y'all want to jump? I got my homeboy too. What's up? Mm-hmm. They at first they thought it was a BB gun, mm-hmm. and then um, they were like, "Oh, this crab got a BB gun. This and that, whatever, whatever." Mm-hmm. And then I was like, "Well, come get some. Trying, you know what I'm saying, I'm trying, I'm trying. bro? I'm and uh, so anyways, I remember, um. Shooting, I think I shot one time in the air. I don't really remember what caused him. But anyways, they took off running. And the one dude, the one that I had in the thirty out 6 in the scope a couple months before that, Robert, he was walking. He he didn't run. He was walking down the sidewalk. I'll give him that. Like, he wasn't scared. So, anyways, he was like, oh, this crab we got a BB gun. So I, I was aiming at the back of his head. He was like two, three houses down. But because I cut the barrel off, you know, the bullets tumbled yeah, tumble instead of— so anyways, I didn't get him in the back of the head. I didn't kill him like I was intending. what would you shoot him at? That's a blessing. I ended up getting him like midway, like his back or whatever, mm. like a couple of inches off his spinal cord on the right side. Ooh. And uh, then I he fell down once he saw it wasn't a BB gun. Once he felt it wasn't a BB gun, all oh, this crap, shot me, yelling for his mama mama, 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 whatever. So his homeboy took off running. Across the street, when they Dang, heard they it left. wasn't a BB gun, they left him, bro. They left him? I got in the crazy. street, and I was like, what's up, Rob? I was like, what's up, Rob? You started all this, you know what I'm saying? And I had a little banana clip, an extended clip. It had like, 27 mm. shots mm. or whatever, so I got out in the street, and I was just like Tony Montana, like, da 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 da, da. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Gangster. And, um, I didn't hit none of them, but I ended up hitting a car that went by you know what I'm saying? A couple times, had a child in the bag, stuff like that. When I oh, found whoa. out, about, oh, oh really? Yeah, I mean, I didn't hit the child. It just yeah, there was yeah. a child in yeah, the back yeah, yeah, seat, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. But Texas don't care. Texas don't play <coughs> that, man. Texas don't play that. Pretty much. So I went on the run. They, everybody knew what was up. I mean, my neighbors were outside watching, like literally watching. Uh-huh. Like you're in broad daylight doing this. Broad, stuff. Broad, it was like 12:08 p.m., bro. Oh wow! Like the day after Thanksgiving. So, anyway, I went on the run. They knew who I was. You know what I'm saying? wilding over there in ATX. Man, hold up. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, I went on the run for 2 days and then what well, I I'm I'm not one like I ain't scared of no penal system, bro. I'm not yeah, scared yeah. of no TYC, no juvenile, no like I ain't don't know man put fear in my heart, like period. Yeah. So, with that being said, you know, my dad had talked to me. And I went by my dad's house, and he was like, man, you know, you was out there doing your thing. You know what I'm saying? You need to go turn yourself in. You need to go take care of that time, man. I was like, all right. So, Monday morning, told my tia. I said, hey, can you go drop me off at APD headquarters? She dropped me off, and uh, they took me to Juvenile, and uh, I was in there like two months. During that time, I mean, I didn't know at that time, but my daughter was born. So, so, okay, hold on. So, so you've
0: done Juvenile Time for running away and doing other stuff. This is... This is the progression of your mm-hmm. juvenile time. It's big time. How, how much sure. time did you do for this juvenile thing? For this this offense? from for ju- shooting Oh boy Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, I got 10 years. I ended up signing for 10 years. So you
0: did what? Sometime in juvie and then you jumped into the real prison? mm
2: mm-hmm. uh, I did uh, six years altogether. I did f- about four and a half years in gettings. Mm-hmm. They called it TYC, Texas Youth Commission. I did <laughs> about four and a half years in gettings and then I got out for about six months and i got sent back for violating having dirty ua stuff mm. like that just not following the program they sent me back to Gettings for about a year and a half and then when i was getting out this the second time i was gonna get out on tdc parole to finish mm. out the remainder of my 10-year sentence because i was getting close to 21 years of age you know what i'm saying yeah how much but longer did you have left? Uh, a couple months Maybe like four oh, or five okay. months till I turned 21 So um, The way Texas does it They send you the TDC, yeah. they to TDC But it's all to Clemens To get your uh, To get a TDC number You know what I'm saying Yeah And um, So I went to Clemens I was there for About five months Waiting to get my TDC number You know what I'm saying And I don't know if y'all know about Clemens But it'd be rocking and rolling That's so they send all the yeah, youngsters I ain't been Clemens And uh I mean, they be rocking and rolling, bro. I mean, like, man, hold up. It's all the youngsters. All they do, they just live the fight, bro. (laughs) Gladiate. Yeah, like straight up. And uh, But I didn't see nothing, you know, too crazy because they kept us on the other side of the prison. But, you know, I mean, nonetheless, you do fight. You know what I'm saying? People do test you, whatever. So, anyways, I was there five months. Got out with my TDC parole number, whatever. Started doing TDC time, and I was out for about 13, 14 months or whatever. You know what Mm. I'm saying? Um... And I was, I guess, all right. I mean, I wasn't well, gangbanging no more, nothing okay. like that, but I was still hanging around with my homeboys. It wasn't about cripping no more. It was just about, you know, we're older, you know, we live in life, you know, whatever. I was back in Austin. So
0: just, they were probably like, those guys were probably now, what, like in their 40s now? Uh, or getting closer to their 40s? Yeah, getting closer to their 40s. And you're in your wow.
2: 20s. So I was, Well, I was 20, about 20 years old, 21 years old, so they were... Mid, you know, mid-30s, mid-30s. Okay. Oh, wow. You know, and uh, but, I mean, we still address each other as cuz, what's yeah, up, cuz, yeah. you know, lock and seize, all that stuff like oh, that. Yeah. But we just weren't out there, like, actively gangbanging yeah, yeah, no yeah. more, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And um, with that with that being said, I mean, like I said, I was still chilling with them on the weekends, doing cold, getting high, smoking weed, drinking beer, stuff like that, going to the clubs. I mean, doing. Th- but I was working as well, had my own apartment in Austin off of South Lamar, and um, I was out for about fourteen months. Well, I got to back up a little bit just to kind of give the why well, I went to prison, my next case yeah, or I whatever. So, um, so when I went, got sent back to Giddings to TYC the second time before I got out, I read it. I read it in the paper. I read the Austin paper every day or whatever. And my neighborhood was in there because some youngster got killed. They were trying to. What ended up happening was, um like these three dudes tried to jump my homeboy which was my homegirl Pam her nephew as he was walking out of that store Tom Grove and uh he w- like walked around the corner of the store and they followed him and they started talking crap to him these dudes you know they were this new age blood or whatever mm. you know? and uh my my what was his name I don't even remember his name anyway he, he was trying to like fight them dudes like one on one he was trying to go hit up mm-hmm. with these dudes anyways um they wanted to jump him, so he picked – he looked around. He found a – saw a little fence post, and the first dude that ran up, bam, he hit him in the head. And, you know, dude fell down, hit his head on the on a, the curb or whatever and died. Mm. And uh, so they charged him with murder. And I was reading about oh. this in the paper, really? you know. And um, so I got out, and I was out, like I said, about a little bit over a year, and then that trial started. You know what I'm saying? And um, so we went to a trial – we went. We showed up but at the courthouse. Kid
0: with murder for self defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, maybe I don't know the whole story, but that sounds like very clear cut self defense to me. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's
2: it goes back a little bit before okay, that too. Okay. I mean, they they shot at us. Oh, okay, it was okay, just okay. the cops knew they what it was all it, about. The DA factored yeah, yeah, yeah. into the, yeah, the history of this the stuff it, that it was all gang related. It was all okay. retaliation, one way or the other. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So after I was out for a little bit, 13, 14 months, something like that, the trial for that started, you know what I'm saying? So we all showed up at the courthouse for, like, support, like, just, you know, to show that, you know what I'm saying, like, that's my boy, like, you know what I'm saying? So anyways, the trial was going good in my homeboy's favor, you know what I'm saying? Because he had, he he was, like, 17 years old, 18 years old, something like that, but he had, like, three times the... The legal limit of alcohol in the system, so he was drunk, a minor, drunk or whatever. So mm. the lawyer was arguing that you can't say if it was the blow to the head or the alcohol that killed him. All he knows, you know, the, the autopsy showed was that his brain was swollen at the time of death. So you know, we we're the lawyer was rolling with that, looking good, like we're gonna beat, like he's gonna beat the murder rap because mm. it wasn't, it's not a clear case of murder. Mm. So they like mid trial, they offered him uh fifteen years. And they said if you signed for aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, you know, fifteen years right now. And so he signed for it because he was looking at a life or something, you know, with, forty-five life with or, or something. Like that. Yeah, like some ridiculous. So he signed for it. He signed for fifteen mm-hmm. years. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And so the victim's family started getting rowdy in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. So we started getting rowdy in the courtroom. And the judge was like, "Nah, we ain't playing that up in here. Y'all need to look at the the bailiffs, which in Austin they're sheriffs." Mm-hmm. Like, y'all need to get everybody out. Y'all need to clear the courtroom out now. Mm-hmm. And they put the fam- the victim's family in one room, and then we thought we were going to another room, but they ended up putting us in the same room. They so the there, was about, wow. there was about 15, 20 of us in that Damn. room, and it was just like brrr, like going at y'all it, just bro. Just going hard in the paint. And uh, I remember the door opening. Somebody poked their head in, and then they just started yelling. And, you know, we can hear the all the keys and everything as they're running down the hallway. We all started taking off one by one, or, you know, just started shooting out of there, taking off, whatever. And uh, so we got downstairs, took off out the building, jumped in the car, in my homegirl's car, and we were taking off. And, like, two blocks from the courthouse, we saw, like, two or three of them dudes standing at the bus stop. So, mm. man, we put it in park right there in the middle of the road on, I think, whatever that street is. Uh, it was a Kinko's or whatever, put it in park right there and we just started bam 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 bam, bam started getting it right there it was uh-huh. like four of us three of them well i got a homeboy uh philip well, was my homeboy then big philip he's like the mexican debo like six seven big old big old dude you know what i am saying? Right. come through on the beach cruising good and stuff. homeboy he picked it, picked up one of them them little dudes and started banging him up against that kinko's window mm. about the third or fourth time they both fell through the window and that's that thick Glass, mm-hmm. so they both got cut, they both got cut up, or whatever you know what I'm saying, like cut up bad. Well, we took off, you know what I'm saying. That dude stayed there and said that uh, we all jumped them at the bus stop, or whatever. So they were so later on that night, the laws were down on our block, like peeping game, like trying to look for Philip, you know what I'm saying. But we thought we didn't know who these people were, they were just at the end of the block, it's a dead end, no houses down there. Like, what are y'all doing? My homegirl Pam as a brother that's a deaf mute. Like, we know what he's saying because we've known him our whole life, but, I mean, if you were he just like... But we know, oh, he wants some water. He's asking where the restroom's at. Like, you know what I'm saying? He goes to the car, and then he comes back, and he's telling us, like, hey, them dudes just pulled a gun out on me. We're like, who? Like, them dudes? So we're thinking it was the victim's family. So we all jump in my Tahoe. I had a 2003 Tahoe, a year model Tahoe. I had it for three days. So we all jump in the Tahoe and... Take off looking for him, and we f- saw him in the parking lot at the at the little bodega, at Tom Girl or whatever. and We, you know, we we're gonna get out. I, I was under the impression we were gonna box, like we we're gonna throw hands. I didn't know nobody had a gun in my vehicle, and then riders right were pulling up. I hear somebody say, "Hey, let me get, uh, let me see that, let me see the gun." But I mean, it didn't matter. I mean, I jumped out. Okay, you got a gun, good for you. You know what I'm saying? So, but anyways, when I jumped out, I just heard like the gunshot, like pow, pow. pop, pop back window shattered whatever that car takes off and we take off and um just something didn't feel right about it anyways it ended up being two um undercover cops Boom. looking for my homeboy philip you know what i'm saying for for beating up that dude throwing him through that window so they
0: pulled a gun on that f- on that deaf mute guy mm-hmm. the yeah, undercover cops
2: yeah, it was in a in a plain maroon four so he came up
0: to the window they were like hey yo what's up man?" yeah
2: i mean he came up like and they were just like, get the F back, get the F back. No badges. I mean, dressed like me and you mm-hmm. oh, in a wow. car, you know, just like mine or yeah. whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, anyway, so we were looking for them. We didn't, we didn't know who these people were. But, anyways, um, that, that happened or whatever. So we but had. You nothing. weren't the trigger oh, man. Were you the trigger man? No, I wasn't. I was okay. the driver.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, but it doesn't matter.
2: Yeah, Texas. You might as well. I have, yeah. I have a
0: homeboy that's in prison right now that was just the driver. And he had even no clue. He's doing the same amount of time as a, as a trigger man.
2: Yep. So um, anyhow, like, we had all of Carnation and uh, Mary Terrace was every single cop. Like, I guess it was all hands on deck type stuff. Ooh. Because every single cop on that part of Austin, anyway, oh, was yeah. in the neighborhood. They had both choppers out. Like, mm.
0: everything. They take that very seriously when you shoot a police officer.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Looking for you.
0: They were
2: looking for and us. More, and to say and the their abuse. intention is to kill you. Yeah. And, uh, Armed and dangerous. that was on a Wednesday night. I went in, I volunteered myself to go in because I saw him. I parked my Tahoe at my homeboy Gabriel's house. And then at one point I saw them going through my Tahoe, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, so I'm like, Hey, what's up? Where's your search warrant? Oh, well, what's it to you? I'm the owner of the vehicle. And, you know, they're like, Oh, well, well you know, started questioning me. So anyways, I went in with them and, once they started asking me questions, I was like, hold on. I'll, I'll, I'm i more than happy to oblige by any of you guys' requests, but I need a lawyer present. They were like, what do you hmm. need a lawyer if you didn't do nothing wrong just to make sure I don't incriminate myself? Yeah. Like, I'm not stupid. You're not talking to a stupid individual. Well, the
0: thing about it is they should have stopped it exactly right there when you said that.
2: And uh, so my lawyer, I called my lawyer or my homegirl. Um, it's a lawyer that we used or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, he was like, where are you at right now? And I was like, I'm downtown. He was like, all right, just... Just shut up and don't say nothing That's till I get there. He got there, spoke to him. They let me out. Anyway, Friday morning, they impounded my vehicle Friday morning. They told me, hey, come get all your stuff um, from out of your vehicle. We're going to go ahead and release your stuff, but we're going to hold on to your vehicle. Mm-hmm. But we just need you to sign, you know, inventory or whatever, and we'll give you all your, my wallet. I had, like, $3,500 cash in there. Mm-hmm. like." so i was like heck yeah i'm gonna go you know what i'm saying we had we got these buildings in austin called the uh twin towers and uh, it's two gold buildings and one of them the gang units in there so i went in there and um uh got up to the third third fourth floor whatever it was and i heard the door click behind me like it locked or whatever then oh we're gonna be in here we're gonna be in this room Mm. or whatever we just got to lay everything out and you sign for it and then he can go but as soon as i went in there the, I heard the door lock again Like they closed the door Or whatever And it locked in. Oh they weren't mm-hmm. planning On letting you leave mm. He turned around and He was like Oh I forgot to tell you too After we do your inventory You're under arrest bro and I was like Oh We've And then like, like Four laws walked out of the They had like the big old Like locker type closets Or whatever it is Like four it's laws Just walked Because they, they're all connected All the lockers Like they were watching me mm. In the room yeah. Next to me Or whatever You know yeah. what I'm saying But kind of like To backtrack like, about a month and a half before this, my dad had passed away. You know what uh-huh. I'm saying? That's how I was able to buy a Tahoe, you know, with his insurance money, with yeah. stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, paying everything cash or whatever. He wow. left us, like, almost a little over hundred grand. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And so, I mean, I was just out there doing stupid stuff, buying weed, buying hood coke, rich. quit my job. Like, I thought it was going to last forever. Really I mean, hood rich, bro. For yeah, for really real. I'm, like, t- 21 years old, like, with $117,000. You know what I'm saying? Jeez, bro. Like, I slap myself <laughs> even to this oh, day. Like, oh, dude. But, man. You know, but that that killed me, man, when my dad passed away. Yeah. It really did. Like I just started going, not trying to kill myself, but just really didn't care if I lived. Living or died. reckless. Yeah, I mean, that was <clears throat> that was my person in life. Like my dad was there for us through thick and thin. You know, he stayed on our butt. You know what I'm saying? Like he he set in motion the person that I am today. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. In terms of like respecting people Correct. the way that I love my children yeah. unconditionally you know what I'm saying like things of that nature but I mean one thing but anyways that that happened or whatever and you know I remember after that like I said I was I was gonna kill myself dude I had a 357 and you know I was going down this dirt road kind of between Austin and Kyle <laughs> and uh I ended up getting pulled over I forgot what it was for just a routine traffic stop but the gun was laying right there you know what I'm saying and uh, when the cops started asking me like, you know, if I had a permit for it. Well, he told me like, don't reach for nothing, you know, yeah. keep my hand on the steering wheel, whatever. And then he pulled me out of the car and then he started asking me different questions or because he could tell I was crying. And I told him like "I, you know, my intention were to go down this find a little dirt road out here somewhere. I remember it was off of Maha Loop, somewhere between it was off of one eighty three in Austin. Mm-hmm. And I was just gonna drive down Maha Loop and find a little dirt road and I mean, just kill myself. Mm. you know i lost my dad i was mad at the world mad at god like you know i don't know if mm. you see my i think you've seen my back piece mm-hmm. but my whole back piece is dedicated to me losing my dad it wasn't so much like a spit in the face at god i mean it was because i blamed god for my dad dying mm-hmm. even though it was my dad's own choices drinking beer and being an alcoholic stuff like that you know not taking care of his diabetes like he should have but i mean it killed me bro but Mean that cop got cool for about a month after that, and you know he would try to keep in touch with me. I don't know if he was a Christian or, you know, yeah. but the way he treated me, like now looking back, was he probably was. Yeah, did he it, take the gun or what? He took the gun. He took the gun, and I don't know what he did. with Which I did. mean,
0: I, I guess as, I guess I mean I'm thinking. I'm, so as you're saying that, I'm thinking legally he can't take that gun legally because in the state of Texas you can have a gun in your car uh legally without a license but he probably did what was right by taking it because seeing your emotional state yeah it's better if i confiscate this thing
2: well i mean i'm glad it's probably good it happened that way too because that gun wasn't necessarily um probably like like eight bodies on it yeah i mean i don't (laughs) i don't know what the history on it was you know okay okay i've got it specifically for well for something else but um I ended up having it when I yeah. decided to make that decision. I don't know if I would have got down the dirt road and did it or not, yeah. but I know what my intentions were. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then, after, you know, shortly after that, that's when all the trial stuff happened with my homeboy killing that dude. And, yeah. you know, I ended up getting locked up. And uh, so then they
0: swindled you into going to pick up your stuff from evidence mm-hmm. and they intended to lock you up. How much time did they give you for that or what happened there?
2: Um, Yeah. The, for like the first six seven months they were stuck on 20 years mm. 20 years 20 years and we ended up getting some of the evidence thrown out so they came down to like 10 years and i was like no i'm not signing for no 10 years so anyways i was in county for about 13 14 months or whatever and uh my first lawyer i paid him i gave him ten thousand dollars dude gave him ten thousand dollars like paid him all up front then a couple months later never heard from him again Mm. never heard from him again he retired took that money and ran so i had to Damn. pay another guy had to pay another my my aunt you know she had a power of attorney over me everything and uh, we ended up giving another guy 12 grand that was just to plea bargain for me if we went to trial it would have been he was going to charge me 25,000 for mm. a trial and everything but 12,000 just a plea bargain but he said i'm pretty sure i can for 12,000 i can pretty much guarantee i can get you what you're asking for And I had about five years left on the original 10 year sentence when I shot that dude, Robert. Mm -hmm. So I was like, anything under five years, I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna run with it. You know what I'm saying? So um, what had happened? They started pointing the finger at me. All the the dudes that were with me or whatever. You know what I'm saying? It was six six of us. Yeah, it was six of us. For real? Yeah, it was six of us all together. Two people didn't get their names brought up at all. You know what I'm saying. And uh, my homeboy Gabriel, where I parked at his house or whatever, he was the first one to go to jail that night, and he started like snitching on everybody. Mm, He put a six nine on him. Yeah, he put a six nine on uh, him. But anyways, uh, um, there's some stuff (laughs) about that that I really don't talk about. But I mean, it was a miracle that the judge ended up telling us right before um, uh, trial. He said, I'm offering you four years, Mr. Souza. Y'all have a good case. They have a good case. And uh, I'm offering you four years. Take it or leave it right now. Mm. And the judge, I remember the DA turning around like, excuse me? Excuse me, your honor? And then he was mm. like, like, excuse me? Like, last time I checked, my name was on the, on the door. The judge. Yeah, yeah, the judge told the DA, like, last time I checked, my name was on the door outside. Of this courtroom, not There's, yours. Oh, yeah. I don't need your permission to do anything. Mm. She was like, oh, like, oh, crap. You know, she got all red or whatever. So I was like, heck, yeah. Like, she was like, I'm offering you <laughs> <laughs> three years. You signed so, for it? it? right there and there. Let, let's yeah, go. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And uh, But <clears throat> my what I had left on my original sentence, like, it was about five and a half years, almost six years left. You know what I'm saying? I, that's eight up to four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the way it worked out, I technically went back on a violation instead of a new charge. So when I got Ooh. to TDC, I started seeing parole right away. But I wasn't trying to do no parole. Like, yeah. you know, I was 21 years old. I loved to fight. Like, I loved to scrap. So being in TDC, like, yeah. I wasn't missing nothing from the free world. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, I had, I remember having this feeling of I made it. I made it. Like, people go to college, and they're like, oh, man, you know, I'm at UT, I'm at USC, I'm at Yale, I'm at Princeton, whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. I made it. Like, I'm in TDC, bro. Like, I made it. I'm here. What's up? You know what I'm saying? So that was just me. I had that mentality of I made it. Were you
0: already down with uh, the tango?
2: No, 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 no. Well, I started chilling with them when I was in county. You know what I'm saying? I was in county for about 14 months. I remember I was hanging around with these other cats, and they were TS, uh, texas syndicate or whatever mm-hmm. and uh i got into it with him because this one dude Ant anthony and dog he told me that he sent my name in to like to his captains or whatever yeah, to be
0: your padrinos yeah
2: like something like that and i was like bro like what are you doing like I, i'm cool with you but i ain't trying to get down with you bro like don't know don't no man tell me what to do mm-hmm. so he kind of took it like well what are you trying to say because they got shot callers like i said i never had a shot caller bro i do what i want and um so, did me and him got into it.
1: Did, did it cause conflict with you, with the Tongos, and you, with you, like, being a Crip, too? Is that, like, a conflict? Nah, because, I mean.
2: Good?
0: The Crips, still didn't even, didn't even factor in.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, once once I got to the big boys, like, it was all about my race. Uh-oh, it was race, all about yeah. my, my hometown, bro. Uh-huh. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, those are my homeboys from the street. This is These are my homeboys in here. My homeboys in the okay. street can't protect me. What oh, they going to yeah. do, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like Heck, nah, bro. I got down there, and. Like, after me and Ant got into it behind that, my Sally was a thongo blast. You know, he was in prison before. So, anyways, I was cool with him, and I was cool with this dude, and, like, with different people. I'm cool with everybody as long as you good. If you good people, I'm good people. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just how I am. I'm going to treat you the way you treat me, period. I'm going to treat you the way you treat yourself, period. So, anyways... um, you know, me and him got into it or whatever. So, you know, I don't I don't mess with him no more while I'm in county. But I started messing around with my celly a lot more or whatever. And so when I got down, you know, it was just, I mean, natural. Like I said, they, I didn't know what Thongo Blast – I've heard of Thongo Blast, but I didn't know what it was. You know what I'm saying? But then once they explained it more to me, like, okay, nobody calling no shots for me, mm-hmm. I could do this. So they, my first unit I went to was the Goodman unit, and that's like a, that's a trash unit, like – I, I don't know how to say it. It's uh, it's a a punk farm, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. uh it's a punk, it's like for scary people or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I caught my three major cases and I took off I, uh threatened the captain, tried to fight him stuff like that and then they sent me to uh I ended up coming over here to Connolly. Mm-hmm. And the, my first day there at Connolly, I was in the dog kennels waiting to get housed or whatever or whatever, you know what I'm saying, waiting for my housing or whatever, and uh, about three or four hours into it, I remember hearing, like, the sirens go off, like, lockdown, you know, everybody report your cell, whatever, and then come to find out, they, they had locked it down, because they were doing a random search over on the dorms, or whatever, and they found parts of a 22, uh little handgun in the dorms, or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, so they were locking it down, and I was like, dang, that was my, like, first, like, what was Your introduction oh, to right. Connolly unit, yeah, like to like, man, hold up, like, yeah. this you still is, have this that is sense, real. like, I made it. No, nah, I had that <laughs> sense, like, man, hold up, like, what you know, and, and Connolly is, is, I think we might ask you earlier, that's Gladiator School, right? That's, yes, okay, yes, boys rocking and rolling, that's where the Texas Seven, yeah, uh, that's where them dudes escaped from or whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, so that happened. We were on lockdown for three months, and I had homeboys on either in sales on each side of me or whatever. So, I mean, you know, we chopping it up the so whole time you, we're on lockdown. So you
0: got down with Tango with, uh, at that with, point?
2: Yes, we were on, like like I said, we were on lockdown for 90 days. My first day there, we went lockdown, 90 days. Mm-hmm. We were off the first day, and that's when I kind of met everybody. You know what I'm saying? Then the second day, they went ahead and gave me my quota check, which is, you know, them banging you up, putting you in or whatever, putting you down.
1: How long did that take?
2: I went, it was two-on-one, then we took a 30-second break, two-on-one, another 30-second break, two-on-one, 30-second <sighs> break, and then a one-on-one. On one. So it was about five minutes altogether. Mm. And, I mean, it was just pure hell. But I think that first round, I think I think I can honestly say, you know, walk away from that first round because I slid that dude. Mm. Like As soon as they closed the door, boom, I caught that dude in the chin, and he slid from about here to past her. So that allowed mm. me and A-Rod to go just head up. just mm-hmm. And then, you know, that second round or whatever, that's when I started getting winded, bro. Mm. And
1: I was like, oh. They're mm. just trying to see what you about. Yeah, it, well, because
2: I mean, I went in. I had some gold, some twenty-four karat gold Fendi uh, glasses or whatever. You know what I'm saying with the like the the lenses like you got that darkening mm. or whatever. So mm. they wanted to break me. They wanted me to break. They wanted me to fold up so they could take my glasses. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But i was like, man, come on, bro. I don't hear y'all dudes talk like I ain't that one. You mm. know what I'm saying? Y'all gonna be my butt, but y'all gonna have y'all gonna have to. I'm, you know what I'm saying Make it work for it. So Anyways that happened bro Five minutes My second day off of lockdown And then the third day Like man That's when it like That's when reality really Set in for me right there Like That's when I knew Like I had Dude like you gotta calm down You gotta calm mm. down Like We're sitting at the table We're playing How old was you? I was 22 I believe mm. Yeah And um 21 22 something like that and uh we're sitting down at the table playing spades with our little makeshift cards or whatever and this white dude comes up to us and he's like hey if y'all got anything in the day room y'all need to put it up we're gonna handle it up on some trash so we like all right cool it's just prison politics respecting because if they don't tell us and we got a pocket full of contraband you know what i'm saying like no nah, now we got some problems it's so out of respect you know We don't tell nobody if we're going to do... Thongo Blast doesn't tell nobody because, I mean, we're statewide. I mean, we're the biggest threat to TDC, Mm -mm. you know what I'm saying, at this Mm -hmm. point. And uh, so, anyway, he came, told us, my homeboys got whatever they had to get out the day room, whatever, and, you know, um, probably about 40 feet across the day room. I have, like, a perfect view of it. Like, I'm sitting there, like, with my head down, but I'm looking at him, like, you know, at the top of my eyes or whatever. And uh, um, I'm just watching these two white dudes and they're, the one, the trash, the trash white dude sitting at the table across the, across the day room. And these other two white dudes are like walking, you know, walking around the day room. I mean, it's nothing unusual. And then after the second time, the dude that was walking like from behind us, the same one that told us that are going to handle up on this trash. I remember him pulling his pants like out or whatever and then. You know i remember seeing the sock come out i already knew what it was you know what i'm saying but he had a fan motor and you know we take him out put him in the sock and we beat the crap out of people with them but he took it out i remember him cocking that thing back dude and um like he hit like he swung it and like my bad but anyways he caught him in the back of the head and like, I'm watching this, like, with my eyes. Like, I watch it happen. I seen the blood splatter. I seen mm. his brain splatter on the wall behind him. Mm. Like, I saw it all. I saw his, like, eyes, like, when he went slump, he, you know, his eyes rolled back in his head, and the dude that was walking, you know, like, the opposite way in the day room, he literally, like, supermaned that dude over the table. He didn't know what was going on. I mean, that it was to that extent that he was already dead but he just started like going in all them boom 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 like beating the crap out of this dude and the first white boy he like swung the sock back to he was going to hit him again with the fan motor or whatever and the fan motor flew out the sock but i mean the dude was already like like on his way down to the ground he was dead his whole brain pan was gone you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying and but one thing somebody told me before i got to TDC was regardless of what happens, act like you've been through it before. Mm-hmm. And my heart's going, like, a million miles an hour. Like, I'm literally scared. Like, I'm watching this. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And mm. and I've been, I've seen death before. I've seen, I've been, you know what I'm saying? You know, it's a whole different spirit. It's bro. a whole different thing, like, when you're actually watching it. I mean, I remember when I was 14 years old, when I used to gangbang, dude. Like, I'm sitting there. And this dude walks by and him and his homeboy tried to jump me the day before that. And it was just me, my homeboys were at work. And that was on a Friday, Saturday morning, all my homeboys were there and he's walking down the street by himself. And I they're like, What's up? You wanna jump him? I was like, no, nah, I wanna get it when I want with this dude. And so I told him, Hey, what I you know, started disrespecting his blood set or whatever, and he got scared, put out a he had a three fifty seven, he pulled it out, put sh- shot it one time in the air, expecting us to like some of my homeboys like took off, got scared or whatever. But me, like the way I was raised, like you run to a gun, but you run from a knife. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So as soon as he busted one time in the air, I started chasing him. Boom, and uh, he started running. He was taking off down the street. I was 14. He was probably about 20. And he's like just behind us, like pop, 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 like just shooting wild. Once that gun started clicking, he took off. So I mean, that I already knew he was a he was a he was a mark. He was a punk. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He was a coward. So, but I like being in a situation like that, but then seeing this dude get his whole brain pan like knocked up against the wall like that, it just, it was a real uh, eye opener, eye opener, like a humbling experience for me. Mm. Like, dude, that could be you. Yeah. But in a sense, it desensitized me to a lot. You know what I'm saying? Because, I mean, at that point, it was like, okay, if that's the fate that I'm going to meet, then hopefully I meet it where it's not head on. Hopefully they have to hit me from behind you know yeah, why i'm not dope. expecting it so anyways that that happened oh, you man. know i did the rest of my time did about five and a half years in prison is that um, where the dope came in the dope yeah the using right. dope no 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 that came in we moved to san antonio okay i met my wife when so I you was got out of
0: prison so then you did your years right you did your time right there right? yes Okay. I
2: completed my time got out Right. Oh, you discharged in there? Yeah, I discharged. Well, Discharge. they let me out with 56 days. Okay. And I did that. Um oh, cold. Met my wife while I was in there. And, um, I mean, time just went on. You know what I'm saying? We got out. Wasn't gangbanging. Wasn't even hanging around with my homeboys no more. I moved out from Austin to Marble Falls and um, okay. met, like, just a whole new you know, group of people or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Me and my wife ended up getting... We started having kids, the whole family dynamic. I was being responsible, working, you know, go out drinking, stuff like that. We attended another church, but in this church, you know, it was okay for us to go drinking Saturday night with the same people we were worshiping with on Sunday morning type yeah. stuff. You know? oh, and, wow. the <laughs> <laughs> and the pastor just seemed to be okay with it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. when we got married, the... Uh, the uh, what did the bachelor party? That was like that was like uh, legendary, dude. I ended up getting arrested at my party. Ba- I don't remember thirty minutes past my bachelor party. Dang, I really don't. <clears throat> um, but I ended up going to jail, and uh, that's I guess a story for another time. But anyhow, all drunk, went to jail, and um, but life seemed just to progress, progress, progress. Um, doing our thing. We had three boys at this time you know what i'm saying and uh we ended up having my daughter we prayed about her man we prayed we prayed we prayed i mean there was no like church dynamic in our life like you know how we are now i mean period but i mean we still prayed like god please let us have a little girl let us have because our plan was we're just going to keep having kids till we have a little girl you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If we had seven boys and then a little girl, mm-hmm. so be it. We're going to buy a school bus. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right on. So, anyways, we ended up moving to San Antonio because uh my decision behind it was, you know, I found out my mother-in-law was having an affair on my father-in-law. Mm-hmm. And um when my wife found out about it, I saw it in her. I saw it about her that it broke her spirit. like Because mm-hmm. she, I mean, it was her, technically her stepdad, but he adopted them when he married the mom. That was mm-hmm. the whole thing behind it. I'll marry you if you let me adopt the kids. So That's when cool. we found out she was having an affair on my father-in-law, I told her, like, we need to move from here because we were literally neighbors. My mo- Their house and then we lived next door to them. I didn't want my wife going through another divorce, and I didn't want my kids seeing divorce that close to them and growing up thinking that it's okay because I've always said I want to break cycles – In my life, I don't want to be the same Broken household as I grew up in Mm -hmm. As my wife grew up I don't want to show that to my children Mm -hmm. And uh, so we moved out here to San Antonio And I was working sometimes during the day Sometimes at night And I was helping my homeboy um, Like clip dro Like get the little Mm -hmm. leaves off the dro And just like pretty him up or whatever And um, you know He'd have like ice chest full of this full of full of weed full of doty. you know what i'm saying mm. and uh he would literally like just boom hey here take that for y'all back there once we got done with it and uh so because he had a house behind his house and that's where we we're staying at when we first moved to san antonio and i would get like tired and he was like hey twin come here hey you ever mess with ice i was like nah i ain't ever messed with it he was like you're not gonna get addicted to it or nothing i was like nah bro i'm good because I needed something to stay but up But you had no idea what it was though. I've never messed with it mm. And I just I mean I know people who have That were addicted to it You know I've seen them And that's why I never bothered Because I didn't want to be like yeah, that
0: Ice meaning meth In case anybody yeah. doesn't
2: know ice. Meth Methamphetamines <laughs> uh, And um, How old were you at this time? I was This was Five years ago I was like 34 oh, Something okay. like that What year did Trump What year did Trump get elected? It was that same year. Uh, tw- yeah, yeah,
0: I don't know. Uh, Twenty sixteen, something
2: yeah, like that. Four years back, and uh, like the meth, it didn't. We, I didn't use it for long. Maybe like two years. But in that two years, like it just took complete control of my body. Like, Ooh. um, I just gave up on myself. So
0: would, okay, so have you ever done meth? Now, about here, you tried your first hit. What happened? That very first time you smoked that demon.
2: Mm. I didn't smoke it, I snorted, or snorted it, it. Um, I just felt like that burn down my mm. throat And then like when I came up Like tears came out of my eyes But I remember it felt like fire bro Like it felt like fire And I was like oh man Like I fell in love with it Like I was in love Like the first time I kissed my wife The first time I held my child The first time I you know Fornicated The first time you know Man but then this Meth took, was right there But then it. this took precedence over that. Man, like quick, like I said, within two years, my whole life was in shambles, dude. Um, I couldn't go without it. Like, when I started using, I was probably about 220, 230, something like that. At my lowest, I got down to 108 pounds. You know what I'm saying? Um, I became real violent after three or four days on it. I introduced it to uh to my wife you know what I'm saying and we try to use together and and after three or four days I'll put my hands on her bro I put my hands on her mm. I became real violent towards her I, I mean before the dope didn't put my hands on my wife we might yell and scream back and forth at each other fighting stuff like that but it never got physical but the meth just took me to a whole nother level dude like a place I never intended to, for it to go. A place, I, I i mean, I didn't even know who I was anymore. Like, literally, in that it wasn't even two years, it was 21 months, something like that. But anyways, like, in that time, I didn't know who I was anymore. Mm. Like, we, we've had our own houses. We've had our own cars. We've always worked. But meth took all of that away from us. It took our drive away from us. Our kids never went without. We always went above and beyond so that our kids would never see us or know that we were on drugs you know what I'm saying like that we were using or whatever they wanted something we'd get it for them they were hungry you know we'd take them out to eat something like that but when it came to me and my wife I don't know what it was I couldn't I could not keep myself from putting my hands on her like if I was mad at Casey my wife's gonna get it if I was mad at you my wife's gonna get it Mm. you know what I'm saying if I was mad at my wife my wife's gonna get it Mm. um and I remember just looking for always looking for reasons to justify it other other than the drug use other than the meth use you know what I'm saying like nah I feel like you're talking you're cheating you're cheating on me or whatever boom 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 boom. Mm knock her around you know what I'm saying oh I seen you looking at this dude you know what I'm saying boom knock her around or whatever um then um we separated a couple times and always got back together um March 6 2000 two years ago was 2019 we' were separated I was with my brother she was thinking a battered women's shelter in uh, Marble Falls which is about two and a half hours from uh, Lockhart my brother was at. she caused me hysterical like what did you do they're taking the kids I'm like hold on what do you mean anyways come to find out CPS was taking the kids from her and she thought, You know, it was me coming to find out, you know, her mom had called CPS on us. They were removing the children from her or whatever. And, um, uh, yeah, they ended up taking the kids from her. They were threatening her sisters, everything, her family helped take the kids from her. Mm -hmm. And shortly after that, we got back together again and, uh, we decided to come here to San Antonio, back, came to move back here to San Antonio, and um, that didn't work out a couple times. She ended up going all the way to, uh, with her aunt, like in West Texas somewhere, Abilene, Amarillo, something like that, and I moved back with my brother, so we were like four, almost four, four four and a half hours away from each other. And I didn't know at that time that she was talking to CPS. I was just like, man, screw y'all, screw y'all. I was still looking to get high, mm-hmm. still getting high, smoking, mm-hmm. doing ice every day. And um, I didn't know that they were telling her, like, hey, if you get back with your husband, y'all not getting your kids back. Mm-hmm. And I would always wonder, like, why is she starting fights with me? Why is she being like this? But little did I know it was because CPS was in her ear telling her this stuff. Mm-hmm. Because I experienced it when – June 12th of 2019, I decided to get sober. Like, I woke up, and instead of hitting the plug up, I told my homeboy, like, hey, bro, like, I don't want to get high no more, dude. I want to get my kids back. It was like, you know what, twin? That's the realest thing you ever told me, bro. Was that the drive your kids were
1: the driving force behind that? for you wanting to, you know, quit getting high? and.
2: It was, honestly, it was my marriage. Okay. You wanted to fight for your marriage. It was my. I wanted to fight for my marriage. I can't. That's powerful. I could never see myself in any situation in my life, bro, without my wife by my side. Mm, like, that's powerful. I've always tried my hardest to protect my marriage at all costs because even then I understood that at some point in their lives, my kids' lives, they're not going to be in my house anymore. And I'm not going to jeopardize my marriage to make my kids happy, if that makes sense, like— To me, it's wife and then my kids, not kids, then my wife. If I put Mm -hmm. her number four or five in my life as far as priority, what's going to happen after 18 years when my kids are out of the house and it's only me and her in the house? I've been Mm -hmm. neglecting her for the last umpteen years, and now i got to play makeup. I didn't want to do that. You know what I'm saying? So I always try to keep that separation between marriage and daddy, marriage and family, if that makes sense. I just could never make it make sense until I came into this church, but we were separated and August 22nd of 2019, we decided we're going to give it one last chance. One last chance. If it doesn't work out this time, like we both go our separate ways, you know, mutual decision. We're not going to be ugly about it. Like we're just going to go our separate ways and whatever happens, happens. And, um, Went to Corpus, me and her out one night, and, uh, we just talked, put everything on the table. This is what it is, this is what it is, take it for what it is, and move on, we were like, okay. And, um, we were back here in San Antonio trying to do our thing, but we were still getting high, or, I was actually sober at that time. The kids were gone at this point. Yeah, they were with my mother-in-law, CPS gave them to my mother-in-law to hold for us till we got right, and, um um i was sober at this time i was i mean off of meth anyways i was still popping bars xos and uh smoking weed you know what i'm saying to help me not do ice Yeah, and uh um, we're good you know i'm doing day labor she's working and we got a hotel room we're paying day to day my brother-in-law was like hey can you all know, help us out i want to get clean and we brought them in. We were like, we got a hotel room with the extra bed. Y'all can go to work and help us pay like half, of, you know, we pay on a weekly basis. Long story short, my wife had to go to the hospital from the swimming pool at the hotel. And so, you know, her purse and everything was in the room still. And, you know, I told my brother-in-law, like, hey, bro, watch all our stuff. You know what I'm saying? I got to take your sister to the hospital. The ambulance came and got her. That was uh, Friday night. They admitted her Saturday um, came, they released her. We went back to the room and all of our stuff, her purse was gone through. All of our money was gone. All of our good clothes were gone. Like, uh. like these fools jacked us. My brother-in-law and his girlfriend mm. jacked us, and they were mm. gone. Mm. You know, so we didn't have the money for the room, and it was due that Saturday. Oh, so wow. they said, y'all can leave y'all stuff here till tomorrow. We'll give y'all 24 hours, but y'all can't stay here. Y'all got to be gone. Mm. So me and my wife got what we could, got our important paperwork, CPS stuff, Got I think a pair or two of clothes and we we're gone. I was gonna go to CSL on Nacogdoches. and Is that
0: where your mm-hmm. homelessness starts?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm. And um uh well I mean we had been homeless yeah. before, but I mean we had a car to sleep in. Sure. We were sleeping in Walmart parking lots. Mm-hmm. You know, I would go go to work, go shower at Sonic restrooms, but we just never had a place, you know. But, you know, I was going to go donate plasma at CSL that day, and my wife was tired from walking. We didn't even have money to get on the bus. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, we didn't have money to eat. We were hitting people up. Like, hey, can you give us $20? Can you send us 10 bucks?" We just, like, nah, we can't do it. We can't do it. We had already burned every bridge Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in our life. Mm. And um, I knew my wife was tired, so I was like, man, screw it. I'm not going to be able to donate today. Like, I'll go tomorrow. And uh, we were right there on Peer and Beidle in Wurzbach. There's a laundromat right mm-hmm. next to Tejanita's restaurant, right next to a bar. And we went in there because they had Wi-Fi there. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And um, so we were sitting in there on a bench, like, figuring out what we're going to do with our life. Like, we're homeless. Mm-hmm. We're homeless. Mm. We're, like, we're homeless. How you know long I mean?
1: How long were y'all, you know, like, homeless? How long was Thankfully,
2: homeless? Oh, honestly, bro, only one one night. One night. Oh, it it was that night. Oh,
1: okay.
2: I mean, we were literally contemplating our life like we're homeless. Like yeah. you homeless
0: know. but with certain provisions, but that night was like now we're just straight up on the street.
2: I mean, from that night on, we didn't know what we were gonna do. Yeah, we no had no problem. life, no money, no <laughs> bus money, no nothing. We had nothing. You know what I mean? Like nothing, we had nothing. We had officially hit rock bottom. Mm. Officially. Like officially hit rock rock bro and it was like setting in as we were sitting at that laundromat and a young lady was sitting there but we didn't pay her no mind she's sitting there reading a book and me and my wife we moved because I felt like she was ear hustling like in our, yeah. in our business so we went she probably was you know <laughs> <laughs> I mean, knowing who it is now Like, yeah, she she was She was She was yeah. ear hustling, bro Give you a shout out a little bit If I say her name Everybody be like Yeah, yeah she was yeah. ear hustling, bro uh, but, So I'm like Hey, come on Let's go over here and Go by this Over here by the washing and dryer And talk real quick Cause this girl over here Making me uncomfortable So we go over there And I did, a minute or two later This young lady comes up to us She was like Hey, uh I wasn't ear-hustling or nothing, but I kind of heard y'all talking. Can I pray for y'all? Should have been like, hold up.
0: Yes, you were ear-hustling, <laughs> first of all.
2: She was like, but can I pray for y'all? And usually, you know, I'd be like, man, get away from me with that Jesus junk, man. Where was, where was Jesus at when, you know, when this, when that, you know? And and me and my wife looked at each other, and I just shook my head at my wife like, yes. She shook her head back, and I was like, you know what, yes. I need prayer. We need prayer. And she went, called Uh, her Her homegirl. (laughs) Homegirl, here they come, and they're going off like Jesus. They're called the dynamic duo. Take the (laughs) minion, and you know, know, start speaking in tongues. And I'm like, hey, hold up, bro! Like, this ain't even that kind of party, man. Like, I'm a Christian. What 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 you doing, speaking this? I thought thought it was like, you know, some Middle Eastern talk or something like that. But because they go, they both going off in tongues. And my wife, like, squeezed my hand because she knew it was coming. I was about to tell him, like, hey, bro, like, I got gone on with that stuff. And she squeezed my hand. And anyways, um, they sat there for about another hour and a half talking to us, man, talking to us about this church that they go to and how great their God is and, you know, this, that, and the other. And I'm just like, oh, man, come on, just give me, like, some money so I can get a sandwich or something. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? And, um, I remember her calling <laughs> calling this pastor, trying to get us a place to stay. And, uh, she explained to us, like, uh, her her pastor said, you know, that God doesn't work in uh, chaos. He works in perfect order. Mm-mm. So if we were serious about anything we were telling them as far as, like, wanting to become better people and come mm-hmm. give our life to God and stuff like that, <sighs> that we would be in church tomorrow. I was like, man, what kind of crap is that? Like, freaking pay for me a hotel room then mm-hmm. or something, you know? Yeah. So anyway... We understood, I understood what she was saying, so, you know, we, me and my wife ended up trying to sleep in that laundromat, but it got so cold in there, went outside, went to the bus stop, and I was like, man, I can't sleep here, I feel like too wide open, so we found a little building, we slept on the side of the building, and uh, the next morning, they were supposed to come pick us up for church, and time came, 9.30 came, we were like, man, where are these girls at, they lied to us, man, Screw Jesus. Like, see, that's that's why I don't trust <laughs> them Jesus jokers, bro. <laughs> and then again, I mean, if you know, if you know, you know, like, you know, they're they're late. They're you know what I saying, like, yeah. like, like nine out of ten people are hey, late Shout to out. everything. Shout you know out to you, Dynamic yeah. Dual. Wefa <laughs> Shout out to Wefa But anyhow, um about nine forty-five, they rolled up. And we're like, oh, man, look, it's them. And they have this Walmart <laughs> bag full of sandwiches, <laughs> chips, sodas, water. We going out. <laughs> we come to church. We pull up. And I was like, at first, I didn't know what to think. Like, that's a church? Mm-hmm. Like, I would have never guessed. You know what I'm saying? And we pull up. We come inside. From the moment we walk in, like, people were just greeting us. Like, hey, how you doing? And I'm like, dude, do you not see how I'm dressed? Like, I can smell myself. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So like, let, me, let, me,
0: let me interject there real quick because this is where – this is where Toby and Sophia walked into the church for the first time here at our church. And so I just want to say the dynamic duo that they're talking about, those people are still in the church. And, uh, uh, and uh, you know, so when they came into the church, uh, I remember so vividly, uh, you know, I could, I could see them and I could see how they were feeling Uh, you know, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, Toby. Uh, but I mean, I'm I'm looking at Toby, and I mean, you know, they're all dressed, all ragged out, you know, dirty, whatever, and I mean, just straight up homeless, and um, and just shame. Uh, you know, just shame on his eyes, shame on his face. You know, just uh, his wife the same way. And I'm talking to him, and he's just looking down, and really wouldn't look up at me and stuff. And I'm just kind of like. You know, people are trying to talk to him and stuff, but you can tell he's very uncomfortable and stuff. But, you know, before he goes any further, I wanted to say this. I'm like, you know, and I'm, I think it's just a, the powerful dynamic of their testimony is that how long have you been in the church now, Toby? 18, 19 months. Mm-hmm. Almost, I mean, 100% turnaround, man. From when they came into the church, homeless, cracked out, meth, you know,
1: to where they're at today. Praise God. 18 months, man. man. It's
0: just a miracle. The miracle of what we we promote in Christ and the church efforts, because part of it, you know, and I don't know if we're going to be able to get into the entire story of, of them coming into the church, but a lot of the efforts that helped them make it was the efforts of, what we promote one as a church, two is as the foundation, the Choosing Hope Foundation, and that that premise of really believing God to help these people get off the streets and really help them get established. Um, and I think Toby and Sophia are uh, a you know we're gonna you, you know you'll hear Sophia's testimony later, uh, but Toby and Sophia are a prime example of what our church one what we are as a fellowship to uh the foundation the choosing all foundation uh proves you know this is this is the the perfect example of what what we do and um so continue Toby. so you come in church people are greeting you
2: people are greeting us and just like man like it's going on you know what i'm saying do you not see me you not smell me like i smell myself man They. Like trying to talk to nobody. I ain't even hit my grill today. I ain't hit my grill in a couple of days, actually. And um, I had fell off. Like I said, I got clean June 12th mm-hmm. of that year. And this was November or September 28th, I think. We came into the church. It was that Sunday. But my wife's birthday is a couple of days before that. And I was clean up until a day before her birthday, and I fell off. Mm-hmm. I went on, like, on like a four-day binge. Mm-hmm. And... So I was actually coming down when I came into the church, you know what I'm saying? And the first service went by, and I felt like, you know, you were talking directly to me. You started talking about, like, meth heads being cracked out on meth and wife beaters, and you know what I'm saying? I was like, man, these women done told this dude all about me, and you know what I'm saying? Like, he's just directing this straight at me or whatever. So anyway, we came back to second service Sunday, and, you know, me and my wife both, but we gave our— I gave my life to, to Christ that night. I made that decision that, you, you know, go. that if I'm going to do it, I'm going I'm, you know, to do it right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think me and you had spoke after the first service, and I was like, man, this dude ain't like all the other pastors that I had. Like, he seems like a real one. You know what I'm saying? And so I gave my life to Christ that second service in the, uh, that Sunday. And, like, honestly, since that day, it wasn't no struggle getting off dope like it was before. I had to lean on weed, rely on mm-hmm. weed pills to try to stop doing dope. From the day that we said that prayer, it meant, I meant it wholeheartedly with all of my mind, body, and soul. Like, I wanted to get clean. God, take this addiction from me. Please. I have not wanted it since then. I haven't. And I've been clean since that day. And... I know now it's only by God's grace yep. that I was one forgiven, to saved and delivered. You know, the the whole addiction just came with it. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like okay, I'm gonna take this addiction from you. Like no, I'm gonna forgive you for the person that you were. You know, the whole sanctification process had kicked in right there, and because of the network of people that come along with being in this fellowship, mm-hmm. like I mean everybody played a vital role Mm -hmm. in one way or another. And, you know, my wife's and I – well, you know, speaking for myself, my sobriety, Mm -hmm. because I could call Casey about one thing. I could call you about another thing. I could reach out to Daniel, you know, whoever, Mm -hmm. about different issues because there's always somebody who's been there, done that, going through it, went through it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, And that meant a lot to me. That's what kept me coming back was Mm – the people in the church because yep. of the, well, first and foremost, the spirit that we felt, you can not just feel the spirit, but you can see the spirit moving in mm-hmm. this church. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that was big for us. So, I mean, a couple months in, it was like, man, like you, you messed out for the world. You, methed, you met you not messed, you messed your whole life up mm-hmm. being in that world. How are you going to live for Jesus, you know what I'm saying? Like I was proud. I was on meth. I didn't try to hide it. Like I was about that lifestyle, son. Mm-hmm. So it was the same thing with me when I came into the church. And mm-hmm. um I remember my third weekend to the church, my brother disowned me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I f- I feel like a lot of my old friends and a lot of my closest family have as well. You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. I mean, I've been that's all been replaced. I mean, I remember my brother specifically telling me like. That i shame him that it's embarrassing that i had to lean on god to become a man mm. Mm. i'm like you know what well, bro i'm sorry you feel like that but i don't i i'm not i'm not ashamed you know what i'm saying because Amen. my way wasn't working it Amen. wasn't what was it i
1: that, don't what was it that got you to where you want to serve god instead
2: opposed to being just a seat warmer again it goes back to my marriage because mm-hmm we still didn't know our marriage was still fragile at that time. At that, you know, at that time when we came into the church, and I remember telling my wife, like, aside from what CPS was asking us to do, I know pastor, you know, that there was, that there was standards in the church and we had to live by them if we wanted to remain in the church Mm -hmm. or whatever. And I remember one day me telling my wife, like, I got down on my knees and I told her like, I'm going to take all of this stuff seriously. You know and i don't know if i've ever told you this pastor but you know one of the things i told my wife was that i'm gonna give i'm gonna let pastor do with my life as he sees fit because i don't even know what to do with my life i don't even know what i'm doing with my own life right now i'm a you know i'm gonna give give it to pat my pastor because mm-hmm. i felt comfortable enough that he's not gonna be like hey we'll go rob this bank over here you know use mm-hmm. me as a crash dummy. I mean, knowing pastor now, it's like everything he tells me to do, it's out of love. It's out of, you know, you know what Jesus would have me do is mm-hmm. bringing me up in, you know, in God or whatever, you yep. know, building, building me up mm-hmm. towards a, you know, discipleship. Sure. You know, so I told my wife, I'm that's how I'm presenting myself to pastor. Like if pastor wants me to do it, I'm not even uh, a writing piece of paper. Like I'm a blank sheet of paper. Mm-hmm. Pastor do with this. Mm hmm with my life is as you want right now because i don't mm-hmm. i don't know what to do and all pastor would just tell me to do was stay faithful to god read your bible mm-hmm. pray come to church there are those that
1: you know they don't want to serve god they just want to be you know seat warmers i feel me personally i feel that they do have that you know that they want to they just won't put forth the effort what do you think it keeps keeps people like that from what, not serving God, what do you
2: think? What keeps people from like well, wholeheartedly keep, serving yeah, God?
1: From serving God, you know, being like taking that step. I mean,
2: there's a there's a long answer. We don't have time for that. But I mean, the short answer is that I mean they're cowardly. Think they're they're cowardly. They still have something to live for. Mm-hmm. They still have something to prove to somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. they're I, still worried about yeah. what people are going to say. I think a lot of it too em. is
0: is is uh, surrender is. Uh, it's, it's the dynamic of surrenders, full, full surrender. Exactly what you said. You know, I, I, me as a pastor, I know better when, you know, like you're saying, you know, here, pastor, do with my life as you will. Well, what I'm going to do with your life is I'm going to bring that before God and let God's will be your life. You know what I mean? I would, you know, it's not, I'm not going to do my will with your life. I'm going to do God's will yeah. for your life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and so that's the problem with a lot of people is that, is that it's, you surrender to God, like you came to that place, you like, you don't have I surrender everything. It's all yours, God. I think that's the determining factor in a lot of people is that they want to live for God to a certain degree, but they're not fully surrendered. You know, like I mentioned the other day in my sermon, like mm-hmm. placing themselves on the sacrifice, at the altar of sacrifice, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Uh, to be done with as, as God would will to do, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, you made a good point too, Toby, earlier you said, you know the way I was out there. You know, uh, for the world. You know, I was going to be the same way for Jesus. You know, I identify with that because right, that was yeah. my mentality when I got saved. I was like when I was on the world. Like I was out there. Like I, I loved it. I was a worldly person and I had no shame, but I came to Christ with the same mentality.
2: And I mean, it does go back to not just surrendering, yeah. but fully surrendering. Fully surrendering. Yeah. Making sure every door is locked. Yeah. Every window is is shut. You know, screwed shut, whatever you got to do to keep that out. Because, I mean, I don't Mm -hmm. know if people in the church and, you know, know this. You know, I don't know if you've ever told anybody you've ever used it, but I remember February 25th of last year when, I mean, you and Camilo found me in the Cadillac. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, They're going to know now if you talk about it. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it's to me, I feel like it speaks about. Surrender and fully surrender sure. because I was surrendered. Don't get yeah. me wrong, but I wasn't fully surrendered. Nope. And the incident that I'm speaking about, February 25th of last year, it was my twin's birthday, and you know mm-hmm. I started getting these like, man, you know, being reminded of my past. <clears throat> and I left work early, went out, had a couple of drinks. I hadn't drinking, you know, in a in a minute since I've been in the church and. My wife started freaking out calling everybody i don't know where toby's at i don't know what mm-hmm. shit. so i mean there was search party out for me sapd my pastor mm. uh camilo a couple other people from the church camilo ends up finding me and mm. i'm like literally on the side of the road like passed out bro blacked out like wrecked mm. don't know what's going on like Dang, you pastor pulls up wrecked, right wrecked the 20s on the leg bro mm-hmm. pastor pulls up and he's getting on my butt and that point i was like man he was like bro sapd you know looking for you and like the way he was talking to me like he gave he gave he cared Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying so so yeah i mean so uh so
0: in in my perspective i mean i was upset because because one you put your life in danger two i've seen god move powerfully through your life and then you know you, you know to me it was like dude and so you, and now that you've been in the church for a while you understand like we've lost a lot of people in the church like that mm-hmm. you know zachariah being one of them just yeah. recently you experienced that for yourself my boy. Uh, uh and and mm. we've been through that and i have this constant thing in my head about losing people because i understand the kind of people that i work with we work with some pretty crazy out there people that i always say walk the precipice of death. And when that stuff happened, I was like, in my head, I'm like, another one, man. So I mean, we were on At, a,
2: at that uh, point in time, when you were getting on my butt in front of that car, I remember thinking, like, man why could I'd, I'd i'd much rather have sapd found me than pastor <laughs> right now cuz they were going all in on me bro i mean i was on him dude right. i was like
0: i was like he was all drunk, and i was like call me blah, blah, blah. i was in his face I was, he was kind of like he
2: even had his hand on on his, on his on his waist you know what i'm saying man. if you know you know I'm like
0: i'm like i was dude, like man dude, bro dude. like i mean so i was i was i was obviously upset
2: but it but showed man. me that day i Learn to what extent mm-hmm. the church would go to save just one about leaving the ninety nine yeah. to yeah. go look for the one lost sheep. You know what you I'm really, saying?
1: You realizing that you know the church actually cared for you. Yeah, like, people. I mean, excuse admit. my
2: language, but somebody gave a damn. Yeah, for you know, for the first time how'd in that my life, somebody, somebody that, that. <laughs> I mean, somebody somebody cared. <laughs> you know it I'm over saying? with the how'd that make darn. you? Feel? Somebody gave a dar. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Somebody cared enough well, to go out of their way and look for me, bro.
0: And shout out to, real quick, shout out to Camilo, because Camilo has the meth spidey sense, mm. the drunk <laughs> spidey sense. I, you, I mean, look, Camilo, I mean, I was frustrated. I called Camilo, I'm like. You still won't tell me. And, and I mean, like, I was just upset. And, I mean, Camilo, man, you know Camilo, you know the kind of man of God that man is. And, uh, and uh I remember, I'm like, I'm like, dude, help me find this dude, man. I don't care what you got to do, bro. Find him, bring him to me, tell me what's up. And Camilo's like, I got you, Pastor. Watch, let me do what I got to do. I don't know what Camilo did, and I mean, it's not like five minutes later he's like, I got him right here, Pastor. I'm like, where? I'm on my way.
2: Mm. <laughs> I remember, Pastor, um, it was just like, hey, we need to get him out of here, man. Like the police are gonna show up. Like you gotta, you gotta spare the gas. You can't stay here. You he gotta go. Mm.
0: but uh but i mean it (coughs) was just one of those things where it was like you know i you know it's hard for me to explain because i tell a lot of the people that come into the church i'm like every man every woman every couple that walks into the church i know why you're here i as a pastor i know why you're here i have no doubt on why you're here i know god knows why you're here one, because God brings people into a church as he pleases. Two, I pray for certain kind of people into this church. I know why people are here. The problem is getting people to realize why they're here. And that's where you were at at that point. I was like, dude, do you not realize, man, the greatness that you're compromising
2: for this? You know what I mean? I don't know, too, if you remember, I used to tell you, like, Pastor, I don't want to preach. I don't want to mm-hmm. be in leadership. Yeah. Quit saying that. Yeah. Stop. You're gonna scare me off. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. yeah.
2: And then at some point uh, it was just like, Man, you know yeah. what? Like then that's when I realized you used to meth out for the world. How are you gonna uh, live for Jesus? Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And it was if, so crazy mm. to
0: see that situation too now we're speaking about that because I'm like, you were all thrown up. I mean there was a throw up everywhere. It was just a bad scene. It was one of those scenes that it was like it was almost like 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 it was like out like there. the life in Christ is like on the balance, like, come on Toby. And Toby's all like this on the like just talking to me and i'm like dude like you know i mean i was like this is vato man you know and but through that to seeing the progression forward now i believe that was what the devil was after was you know along with everything else that you've been through you know and then these kinds of, uh, of of snafus at the beginning of the onset of your relationship with god but yet still seeing god do great powerful things and if that's what the devil is after, I think that's what the devil is, uh, is, is so uh, uh, threatened by is the greatness that will come out of your life. You know, people like you and your wife, you know, couples that we have, you know, people like Casey and stuff that, 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 you know, if you know, as a pastor, I mean, it's not rocket science. You look at people like you and your wife, Casey, people like this, and it's like greatness. I see the greatness. And I remember a guy telling me the other day, you know, a while back, he said, Pastor, what do you see when you look at me? And I said, I see greatness. And they were like, what? Like, I mean, they were just like, you're freaking kidding me, man. I'm like, dude, all I can tell, all I see is greatness, man. And people can wrap their heads around that. But that's that's what the devil was so afraid of. You know what I mean?
2: You know, like now being in the church, you know, my, Simple The simplest pleasure Like greatest pleasure that I have Is getting behind the podium And that that was my biggest fear in the world bro mm-hmm. was, I don't care if it's a room If my kids are the only ones in the room Like that terrifies me mm-hmm. If I have to stand behind a podium And speak to anybody you know But being up here singing and praising bro like, mm-hmm. Man that just And I mean it, it, So, so much, Toby
0: has, he has You know now he's a song service leader He leads our song service He runs my services You know, uh, you know, his wife's uh, equally involved and and, you know, they're like I mentioned earlier, they're they're heading up our substance abuse uh, program for the Choosing Hope Foundation, uh, you know, putting the working to put, a you know, working with me. But, you know, primarily themselves uh, putting a curriculum together for the foundation, um, substance abuse, a part of it. And, uh, you know, just a great, great. Things that are coming out of their life, you know, and and I have great aspirations for them. And, you know, uh, I, I, he knows he knows what what we're heading towards here. Um, uh, but so so I wanted you, as we close it down to touch on your CPS case.
2: Um, when we came into this church, like um, that's our timeline. We came into this church. We had not a ground to stand on to ask for visitation. Anything of that, like even getting our kids back, you know, being in our kids, I mean, we've done everything to not be a part of our kids' lives, but just learning how to let go and let God, let God, you know, do his thing and, you know, just, um, how would I say it? Like just letting God fight the battle for us. Correct. You know what I'm saying? Let god, letting god interject on our behalf like we've moved so far to the point where now the people who were talking bad about us who didn't want our kids to come home these same people now are in front of the judge saying you know we have no objections to the kids coming home god. We, you know we we we're in our own house my wife you know i mean i don't want to you know say too much about her testimony or whatever but i know she wants to talk about True. her accomplishments but on my end you know Nobody would give me a dollar, wouldn't lend me a dollar when I first walked in the door. But, like, now, you know, how far we've come, you know, with uh, our children about to come home uh, at the end of this school year. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, everybody's on board with that. We're already getting them overnights. We've been giving them clean UAs for the last, you know, 19 Mm -hmm. months. You know, supervised, unsupervised UAs on call. Hey, y'all go UA today. Y'all got to... New to go, UA hair follicles, you know things of that nature. You know what I'm saying. I mean, it's all going in a positive direction. You know what I'm saying. My kids are here Praise now. God. I mean, you know, only by the grace of God. You yeah. know what I'm saying. Like, just um, no. I don't. I think if we would have went any other way with our life, except accepting the invitation to come to church from the two women, we wouldn't be nowhere where we're at now. We might have a little bit of action, but I mean, but like now. You know, not only having a job with getting back into lawn and landscaping, but holding the keys to the company. If my boss needs to get anything out of mm-hmm. the truck, like they got to call me because I have the keys to everything. Mm-hmm. I got Balls. the I got the company credit card yeah. in my in my pocket. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like having that level of trust that yeah. doesn't come without God some commitment. You know. yeah. Some, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I mean they all know. My, my employer knows, like, you know, I had to remind him the other day, like, hey, yeah, I got to be off at a certain time today. What you got, church? Like, oh, church? Like, bro, if God doesn't get his time, I'm calling in tomorrow. I'll let you know that now. So, I mean, that's, we give we give our glory to God. We couldn't we couldn't Amen. have done it on our own. We tried yeah. to do it on our own, and we couldn't. So, I mean, just, you know, the,
0: their testimony, and I mean, I, I'm excited for y'all to hear Sophia's side, uh, but you know, I mean, powerful testimony of God's restoration. I mean, God's ability to restore and 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 do what we preach. I mean, it's, it's one thing to preach God's word and his promises. It's another thing for you to see it played out and worked out in a person's life. And, you know, you've seen the other testimonies, heard them, but, you know, Toby and Sophia, uh, uh, you know, are, are, are a prime example of that, of that dynamic of God's, restoration Um, before we close it out Toby is there anything else you want to say yeah I mean just um, what would you tell someone that's out here watching maybe and they're going to be like maybe they're in the same spot you're
1: at inspire this is inspiring inspire inspire I mean I pray somebody does see this and it inspires them. man if they can do it
2: I mean reach out reach out there's no shame in in admitting that you have a problem you know, alcohol, cigarettes, drugs, pills, fornication, whatever the sin is, that's that's what it boils down to is sin. You know what I'm saying? Choosing to sin. Reach out to somebody. Reach out to somebody mm-hmm. with the Choosing Hope Foundation. Reach out to me and my wife, to pastor or anybody involved with the church, and they'll get you hooked up. Like, just for example, I know since I've been in the church, people have told, told me and my wife, like, Man, we hope we can have a marriage i don't wish my marriage on anybody on any my my marriage has been uh rocky to say the least you know what i am saying. you want a marriage like mine go out and find your nearest plug and ask him for some meth and then I see where that leads you and hopefully eventually it'll lead you here like it did with us but if you want like my marriage where it's at now give your life to god mm. give your life to god that's it's all about you know, Praise admitting God. you got that problem, wanting to change that problem and then giving it to God and let God do what they, what he wants. Cause Amen. out of, out of chaos, he can sow some beautiful seeds.
0: Amen. And and that's what we, we want to like, you, you know, you see our information there, you know, someone, you're that someone, come out to our church, you know, reach out to us, email us, you know, hit us up. Our numbers are there. Our information's there, the choosing home foundation, our address, you know, Universal City Church, the Potter House, Universal City, or the Potterhouse House, uh, G.R.A., Greater Randolph area, uh, uh, you know, in Universal City, Texas. Uh, our information is out there. Link us up with these people. Send these people our way. Come to church yourself. You know, let us help you because we can, because God can, because God is real. Jesus Christ died, shed his blood. You know, there is hope in Jesus, and that is what you're seeing here. And not just that, but the church, you know, we play a big part in that. And you know what? We take that seriously, people's lives, mm-hmm. and the, the 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 whole dynamic of restoration. And so I want to encourage you to, to take heed to that. Powerful, powerful testimony, Toby. Appreciate you being here. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to go ahead and check out of this episode. And so uh, we'll see you on the next one. Uh, my name is... Uh, Luis Perez, a.k.a. Guicho Breach. And if you know, you know the Demon Killer. eh? And uh, my co host right here Casey Case,
1: your favorite Tennessee representative. Tennessee. All right, man. Checking out. See you. Boom. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah.